Well, hey mamas, hope you're having a great week. Today's episode is with a friend of mine, Candice, who has worked in childcare and social work for quite some time. So today we're going to talk about her experience in working with daycares and childcare facilities and things to look for and red flags and just things to be aware of. We're also going to talk about being the mom of young girls and how we can help influence them and what we can learn and just another mama's take on how she is navigating that chapter. So I hope you've had an awesome day or night whenever you're getting a chance to listen. Um, We've got some exciting episodes coming up on the podcast. And if you know of anybody that you think has a great story um, that would be encouraging to other moms, would you tag her in this post or on one of our social media posts so that we can connect with her or you can send me a message or an email um, at memoirsfromtheminivan at gmail.com. I would love to connect with other moms and just be able to share their stories. So as always, thanks for joining me on today's episode of the Memoirs from the Minivan. Let's get started. Well, good afternoon, Candice. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of the Memoirs from the Minivan podcast. How are you? I'm doing great today. Good. Recovering from the snow, and we were just chatting about this before we jumped on to record, that we are Southerners for a reason, and we do not like snow. We've been buried in snow for the past, like, seven days in Tennessee, and uh, it is not something we appreciate. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Candace and I know each other um, through church and through life group, um, kind of our small group within church. And um, our girls are similar ages. And then we have boys that are just a couple years apart. So lots of things in common there. But um, as we kind of get started, can you kind of tell listeners a little bit about you and your family and what you do? Sure. Um, I am married to the love of my life. We met, oh goodness, let's see, I'll show my age here, 21 years ago. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, met a long time ago, didn't uh, start dating or show any interest until about six years after we had first met, but we've been married now for, oh, um, 13 years. We have an 11-year-old almost 11, and a six-year-old and a two-year-old. So to say we're busy is, well, I feel like an understatement, but I think all families feel that way at times, too. Sure. So you, I know, just got a new job, and you're still working in, like, childcare. but tell listeners a little bit about what you do professionally. So my job title changed in middle of January, and I was recruited out by Vanderbilt Medical Center, so not the university side, the medical center side, and I am an associate child care manager for one of the child care centers for all and hospital employees. Okay. And so what is that, like, what does that position entail? What's a little bit about your job? Oh, it entails anything and everything you can imagine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've learned anything with management can mean, it, it's like a, a Pandora's box. It just, anything sure. can happen. Um, basically my type, my job requirements are, I'm there to oversee the management of a childcare center. Okay. I do the daily operations, make sure staff's in place, 
um, you know, fix lunch, jump in a classroom. I kind of do anything I'm needed to do at that given moment. Sure. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I wanted to talk with you about, because as you and I have had conversations over the years, you've always been able to make sort of observations about daycare facilities or in-home care things. And I think as a parent, particularly as a mom, if you decide to go back to work after baby, like a daycare can be kind of an intimidating thing. Some of them have wait lists and some of them are really expensive and some of them are not. And it's just hard to know, um, you know, kind of what the best thing is. And so one of the things I wanted to talk with you about was just navigating that. Um, As far as like your years in like social work and your years and working with daycares and different like care facilities, if you were talking to a mom-to-be and she's thinking about this kind of stuff, what are some of the things that you look for? What are some of the things that you, like, are must-haves at a facility? Because I know you had shared with me before, you were like, some of the best facilities I've ever been in um, weren't necessarily the most expensive and things like that. So kind of share, like, some wisdom on that. I would love to because I feel like, any parent is just, it's a very intimidating thing to look into yeah. because naturally we gravitate towards, well, if it's the most expensive, it's the best. Totally. Um, I really encourage parents, number one, schedule interviews, schedule to go in and talk to them. Just like we all shopped for a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. I know when I started having children, I had a pediatrician in mind, thought it was going to be great. And then got into the, you know, the nitty gritty of it. And was like, hmm, she and I are not meshing well together. Sure. She's a great physician, but she and I think of things or look at things differently. Um, so I had to kind of start that process over. So I say first step is call up the child care centers, make your list, you know, go through them, call them and say, hey, this is when we're looking for care. What's your wait list time? Oh, and by the way, I'd love to come in and just get a tour. Most of them refer to that, you know, as a pre-enrollment tour. Mm-hmm. That tour, they should not make you sign on a dotted line or anything like that. It's just mm-hmm. to come in and observe the facility. Um, the next best thing is communication. Sit down with the director and communicate with them what your expectations are. You know, what what are your expectations as a child care center? Um, are you okay if I have to leave my kids six to six one day? I know those are your hours. However, are they going to be ready to accept my child at six o'clock in the morning? Or mm-hmm. am I going to be waiting in the parking lot for somebody to show up? Sure. Those are good questions to ask because we know life happens to everyone. But what's your backup plan? If my opener is not coming in, I got to have a backup plan so that I'm not leaving parents hanging. Mm-hmm. Um, as you stated earlier, the price doesn't always mean you're getting the best care. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people look at childcare as a cake job. You know, all they're, all they're going to do is keep them alive for the day. You'll hear people say that. Wow. Which really breaks my heart because I'm like, okay, I'm entrusting you with the most precious gift I could ever have. Totally. And that's your, <laughs> that's your attitude towards it. No, 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 no. We wouldn't take that from our doctor or from our nurses. Um, and so I talk to the parents and be like, if you get a feeling, if you are like, mm, baby's coming home, they're just cranky, they're upset, or they're not wanting to go to school outside of normal separation anxiety, all kids go through that. But as a mom, 
you know your child and you're like, okay, this is not normal. If I can drop them off for church every Sunday and they're okay, but they fight me on going to school, start communicating, start mm-hmm. asking why. Yeah. Um, you know, I say find the one until it fits. Kids are resilient. They can jump into any situation at any time and jump in with the flow if it's somebody they trust and know. Sure. Um, just last week, we have four centers. We shut three of them down and put everybody at one location. Okay. These kids had never been there. They had different teachers, but because they were greeted in, by the people that normally greet them in the mornings, all, which are all of us managers, they were okay with their day. Mm. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. they, okay, I know this person. I'm here. I'm just at a different building today. Sure. I mean, they're all kind of similar, but they're not the exact same. Yeah. So, because I hear parents say, well, isn't that going to cause more issue if I pull them out and put them there? No, it's just like anything else in the world. Their little personalities have to get along with everybody else's. Yeah. So if you are seeing the, you know, just my kids scared to death to walk into this classroom, but they're okay if somebody else is there. Bring that to the director's attention. Let them know. And if you don't get anything from that director, I would say it's time to start looking somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, no, those are really good points. Are there anything or any, like, specific things that you can think of that are, like, major red flags to you when you were to walk into a facility or if you were a a parent who was touring like what are those things that you were like oh yeah no we're done um you'll think this is silly but most people understand smells Mm. if I walk into your facility and it stinks and I'm not talking like a fresh dirty diaper stink but it has an odor that's a red flag to me because something is happening behind the scenes that we're not seeing and it could be trash is not being taken out daily, which can lead to other issues we all know. You know, sure. bugs, mice, those things. Um, you want to see that the facility is taken care of. Mm-hmm. They should, you know, it should be clean when you walk in the door. Or on the flip side of that, if it's too perfumey, like if they're trying to mask an odor, that also throws a red flag. I'm like, what are you hiding? Mm-hmm. You know, we all know, okay, we're going to walk in and smell dirty diapers. Like, that just happened. That's, right. that's, that's quote, normal. <laughs> um, I also encourage parents to get onto the Tennessee TN.gov website mm-hmm. because there's a rating scale. Those rating scales not perfect. Okay, nothing in this world is. But they are now posting um, any thing that the daycare does wrong because they're child care laws and they will post and let you know hey they received a violation that's what they call them in this area Mm. um the big areas to look for are health and safety and supervision if you do not have enough staff to supervise supervise all of the children and you're getting violated on that we have a problem that either have high turnover or they're just blatantly ignoring what that rule states yeah. Um, and health and safety can encompass anything. It can be they're letting children that are too young to sleep with a blanket or they're not keeping a good eye on them and there's lots of bumps and bruises and, mm-hmm. you know, just all those things that kind of encompass that title. Sure. Yeah, and I'm sure that that kind of thing exists in other states too. We're here, of course, in Tennessee and Um, It's good to know that that stuff is being tracked. So you've got some other places that you can go and at least, you know, look at things. Um, You know, in your role, 
in this kind of like environment. I'm curious how like this kind of thing has affected your own parenting. Like, um, you know, the way that you interact with your kids or seeing other parents interact, things that you've learned from other providers and whatnot. Um, do you feel like there's takeaways that has changed like the way that you do things as a mom? Oh, most definitely. There are so many things I've learned just over this whole career. Sure. <laughs> I look back and I'm like, oh, well, that's okay. We're going to change that. Um, and the best advice I can give parents is if you're going to do child care um, full time and you know that, start small. Yeah. Leave the child there one or two days a week um, or leave them with a family member or a local babysitter. You know, somebody that gets them used to mom and dad not being at home every day, especially now that so many of us are working from home due to the pandemic, it is such a change to kids to leave their own space now. Whereas, but prior to that, I feel like kids knew, oh, okay, I'm here today. This is where I'm going to be. Um, so I encourage start with that. And I am a parent that tells my kids, teachers, I know they're going to cry and that's okay. Let me know if they're making themselves cry to the point of being sick. Sure. If they're making themselves cough or choke, yes, I want to be notified. It's going to be a hard transition for them. And, again, that's where that communication is key. Let them know this is the first time they've ever been away from me. So we're both new at this. Yeah. So let those teachers know that so that they can help you. They are trained on how to guide parents in this new phase of their lives. Because mm-hmm. it's just as different for us as it is those kids. Sure. Yeah. You know, speaking of like the pandemic, I feel like I talk to a lot of moms about the impact that it's had on them and the impact on their families and jobs and all of that kind of stuff. But we don't talk a lot about the impact that it's had on kiddos. Um, Do you guys see like what is it that you see? And you even kind of touched on that a little bit with like they're not used to being out of their spaces a lot of times in the last, you know, year and almost a half now. So what are you guys seeing as far as like the impact on kids? Um, And then we can kind of touch base on how can parents kind of handle that or facilitate that? And I think what you said is really good kind of start sort of tiptoeing or waiting back in, like maybe doing part-time and then going to full-time. But um, anything that you're seeing as far as like kids and how they're dealing with some of this stuff that we've all been facing the last year? Um, I definitely have seen, it depends on the age, you know, your younger twos and further down, so like your toddler ages, they're not seeing a whole lot of it just because their lives are not changing. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the child care center, if you're looking at threes, fours, fives, and up, they're, they're requiring children to wear masks. And that, that's been a big change because, again, they've been at home the majority of this time, and they're like, why do I have to wear a mask all day? So I think practice wearing a mask. Find a mask that's comfortable for them. What helps them? You know, what's not going to irritate their nose or behind their ears? Um, you know, kind of walk through those steps with them. And I'm very open as a parent. Um, you know, there's so much going on in our world and so many conversations that we think our kids don't hear mm-hmm. about the pandemic and other things and then they come into what we call school I call daycare school because it is they have a little routine and a curriculum sure. that they're following um 
and they'll openly start discussing things with their teachers in the classroom because that's a person they trust and know. And so they'll start, you know, just repeating things and the teachers are like, well, we don't need to discuss that. However, this is what's going on. We are trying to keep people from getting sick. So a big thing for kids that we've seen is they go to naturally hug someone. Kids are very loving most Mm -hmm. of the time. They go to hug you. They go to hug their teacher. So we've introduced elbow bumps at our school. Like, we don't fist bump because we're trying to keep our hands clean because we touch our face so many times throughout the day. So we call them, give me an elbow. And so they'll come in the door and give you an elbow instead of a high five or a fist bump. Mm-hmm. Just it's little things to try to keep them still feeling that touch, but they're not exposing themselves or at risk for catching any of the germs that we carry on our hand. Sure. Um, Hand washing is huge. We never wash hands as much at home as we do in school. Um, they wash hands before everything. The joke before um, I came on board, worked around child care centers but prior to my position now, was if you want to learn how to wash your hands, go to daycare. Because they wash their hands all the time. They know how to do it, and they can show you how to do it. So they're used to that part. It's more of I can't sit and hold my friend's hand while we're in circle time. Sure. Now we have to be so many feet apart. I can't sit close to people. Those are the things we're seeing. But we've tried to make it fun. Give everybody their own little carpet square. Mm-hmm. Oh, you get blue today or you get pink today. And those types of things. We do as much as we can just to make it fun, but still putting in place those COVID expectations. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, and, you know, you said that at the start, that kids are really resilient. Um, and, you know, they, they tend to adapt a lot easier than adults. You know, it's kind of like, well, yes. whatever we need to do, you know, because there's a little bit of lack of rationale probably in terms of risks and things like that. There's lack of knowledge in terms of, like, fear and, you know, those kind of things. But I think it's important um, what you were saying about like replacing, not not eliminating things. So if we can't do hugs, let's do something rather than, no, we just can't do that. You know, I think that that's a really good point, even in our homes. And, you know, if there's something new that they're going to be doing, like having to wear masks and whatnot, having them, you know, practice that. It's funny because to me, it's interesting what they sort of latch on to. So at Mason... In Elizabeth's school, um, they require masks for elementary, but not for preschool. And so um, he, though, sees other people with that and has very much, like, latched onto that. Like, oh, no, 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 I have to have my mask. And he wears it before we leave the house, in the car, on the way to school, inside, like, it is just something for him. And so it's interesting, like, the psychology in a, inside a four-year-old's brain that he has attached to that. Now, it's Batman, and I'm sure that doesn't hurt anything that he gets to wear a Batman mask. But, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just funny, you know, do you see differences, like, amongst children, too, as far as, like, some of them do that and others don't. Like, is there a lot of differences? And do you think that that's more of, like, a family thing or, like, just the kid themselves are different? I, I think it can be a combination of both. Um, we definitely have lots of sibling sets that are in the centers, and especially if they have the older siblings that are wearing masks um, to school and just out and about even, 
they're a little bit, I don't, I mean, easier, you know, that, to them, it's, they're normal. Okay, sure. this is this. Big sister wears it, I'm wearing it. Um, and then we have children where none of them wear a mask. Mom and dad may not even wear a mask going out. And that's, you know, that's their thing. They have the choice to do that. But we're doing it in the schools to, A, try to cut down on the exposure. And that has been a change. But most of those kids, when they walk into their classroom, it's like, oh, okay, everybody in here has their mm-hmm. mask on. Mm-hmm. You know, so then they, they just put it on. But you'll definitely see that difference while them coming in the door. Some come in with their mask on ready to go. Mm-hmm. And others are like, I'll put it on when I get my backpack into my cubby. Sure. So it, it really does depend on what is being rolled out for them like who's their role model who are they watching yeah. you know how that's happening but yes it has it is a little bit easier of a transition if it's done in front of them before mm-hmm. yeah and I don't know you know what your thoughts are on this and we haven't talked about this in advance but what impact do you think the pandemic is going to have on our kiddos like I feel like for adults there's been a lot of like positive takeaways. We kind of had that forced pause. We were forced to consider that we didn't have to work as much or that we could live on less or um, that there were bigger things at play than just what was on our agenda. There's been many people that I've talked to and even had on the podcast that will say, you know, I talked to one mom and she's like, I mean, I'm standing here frying bacon on a Thursday morning. Like that would never have happened, you know? So there's a lot of that kind of stuff where we can look at introspectively, like what we've taken away from it. And obviously there has been massive loss and there's a lot of grief and stuff associated with that as well. But for kiddos, like, do you have any thoughts on like, how that's going to impact them. You know, I think about our girls, they're going to remember this. They're old enough to remember this sort of chapter of mask wearing and church canceled and school virtual and all the things. So thinking about like the kid brain, what do you think? Like how, how are they going to look back on this? Or do your girls have any observations? Well, it's funny you asked that because my oldest, we were discussing this yesterday because okay. on top of, being out for the snow in Tennessee, they decided, we live in a county that decided they were going to do virtual day on Monday. Everything still hadn't quite melted off some of our back roads, and they were nervous to put buses out. Well, I work Monday morning, and Dad's coming in from a 12-hour shift the night before, and she said, don't worry, Mom, I can get me and my sister set up on teams we practice this at school all the time Hmm. and I think for kids that are you know fourth and fifth grade and above they're going to remember the responsibility of it oh I got to get on the computer you know it's not my tablet's not just for fun now now I've got to use it to do school and it it's fun because I still get to reconnect with all of my friends in my class but now I've got to take a little more responsibility and make sure my assignments are done sure. um, because we've got to send those in. It's, they don't have that teacher standing in front of the classroom going, okay, you've got about 15 more minutes to finish up this page, and then we've got to move on to the next subject. Yeah. Now they kind of have all day. Um, like my oldest is my early riser. She's up at 5.30 in the morning. You can set your watch by her. She is awake <laughs> and ready to go. Um, it's a little bit of a challenge some mornings and other mornings I'm super thankful for it. Sure. But she would rather get her schoolwork started at 6.30, 7 o'clock 
whereas her sister, who they share a room, would rather start at 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning. And it's that's been good for them because she can kind of get her stuff done earlier and then be the big sister that can kind of help out the little sister if yeah. needed. Um, I think it's been great for families to slow down. Um, we got to spend a lot more time this summer at their great-grandparents' farm because at the time I was able to work from home. And so we just take off on a random Wednesday and go down and we spend the day on the farm and come back, um, which is, was great for them because their grandfather is getting older, their great-grandfather, excuse me, is getting older and he's not going to be around much longer. So they really enjoyed getting to spend that this past summer with him. Um, you know, so I think they're going to remember both. I think they're going to remember the hard parts of the first week of trying to get virtual straightened out and who mm-hmm. was going to do what on which tablet or the computer. You know, okay, yours is at this time and yours is at that time. Just learning to navigate that. And then I think they're also going to see the positive of, I have spent the whole summer with my great-grandfather. We wouldn't have been able to do that if I had had church camp and taekwondo camp and sure. <laughs> All of those things that we enroll our kids in to keep them busy, I think it's made them enjoy, hey, I can just be at home today. I can play in my own backyard and not really have to worry about we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it'll be interesting to talk to them about it when they're a little bit older and be like, what did you think about all that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do uh, picture books for the kids, you know, and I put a lot of information in there just about the pandemic and how that changed things. So it'll be interesting as they look back on those and reflect like, oh, yeah, that's the year that we, you know, whatever and, and whatever their reflections are. But um, well, kind of transitioning to that, what has the last year done for you? Like, what are the takeaways that you have? How has it really impacted your life? And do you have any of those big, you know, takeaways that really have changed how you do things or how you think about things? Um, it has definitely made me appreciate more just the time to slow down. I am a person that loves to be on the go. I would be on the go every day, all day. It does not face me, um, which is funny because my husband's polar opposite and it's perfectly fine to be at home all day. <laughs> but it made me appreciate, hey, let's go walk the trail. Let's just get the kids' sure. bikes and let's go do this. Or... Let's go spend the day at grandparents' house that has a pool in the backyard. If we would just swim all day and play as a family, we didn't have to be constantly, okay, we've got an hour here. We can squeeze lunch in maybe with the kids, but we've got to be done by this time. Mm-hmm. We've got to get over here. Um, you know, it just made us really stop and think, do we really have to do all of these activities? Sure. Um, made us really sit our kids down and say, okay, what sports do you want to do? Because we're only going to do one this year. We're not going to go from, you know, ballet to taekwondo to baseball every night. Like, we just cannot do that. We need to slow down and figure out what are your likes, what are our likes, and how are we going to work this as a family? Mm-hmm. Um, it really made me thankful for the jobs that my husband and I both had because sure. we're considered essential workers. And, you know, that was a scary time period for everybody. I mean, you know, you and Jeff, maybe y'all businesses, and it just made you think, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? It really made us look at finances and what did we have to have and what did we not have to have sure. so that we could slow down our spending as well 
while making sure we were still providing everything we needed as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it. Jeff is considered essential because he is transportation. But I mean, you know, you heard me talk about this that my business completely tanked because I work with colleges, and so it was a forced. Um, what does what does life look like, and and how do I move on? And you know, I'm I'm grateful for that because it gave me that time to start a health journey, which I, I don't think, honestly, I ever would have done uh, had I not been forced to, you know, yield to this life that happened. Um, so in a lot of ways, I'm grateful. But it was very scary for a time period. Um, it, it just, it's like you had all the apples in a basket, you just threw them all up in the air and were like, well, I don't know where all this stuff is going to land. You know, it was just very kind of unsettling. So... Well, I wanted to transition to talking a little bit about um, raising girls and, you know, in our world as women, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we deal with. There's a lot of comparison stuff. You know, now we have things like Pinterest and Instagram and all these snapshot kind of things. And our daughters are coming up sort of in the middle of that. And I feel like you and I have chatted before that we kind of have more of a straightforward parenting approach as far as like, I want to prepare you for life and not just like take care of everything for you. And sometimes that can feel even harsh, at least on my end. Sometimes Elizabeth is like, why are you so mean? I'm like, I'm trying to give you some grit, child, so you can like survive out there in the world, you know? Um, (laughs) So tell me, talk to me a little bit about like, your parenting, you know, philosophy and particularly as it relates to like raising these sort of prepubescent girls. So there's so much to that. Um, You know, I did not have a traditional schooling upbringing. My mom chose to homeschool. I, I came out of public school at fourth grade, which is a pivotal time because you're learning how to pick your friends and who are true friends and who are not. Sure. And so my struggle with my daughter, who's now in fifth grade, is trying to help her navigate that, Mm. trying to help her understand who is going to be a friend at all times. That's not going to be her friend just for today to get something out of her. Mm. Um, Because experience is the best teacher. And so if you don't have that knowledge base, it's hard to kind of guide somebody else. So I've really reached out to some other moms who had more of that traditional thought process. And, okay, how do I, tell me how to help her. Sure. I know how to handle it as an adult, which is, in my humble opinion, to just, okay, we are not going to be friends. You right. Know, I, this is not somebody that has my best interest at heart. So I'm just going to choose to walk away quietly I mean, I'm not a person that cares for the dramatic flair. Sure. So I just kind of tend to silence that by just not going along. Or if I'm invited, I'll say thanks, but no thanks, and just kind of let that be the end of it. Sure. However, our daughters don't always have that option because they're in class with these other girls that could potentially be causing a problem for the next nine months. And so, and then they're still possibly going to run into them the next year and Mm -hmm. all those things come into play. And so my biggest benefit has been 
Number one, talking to my daughter. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who loves drama. Um, I don't call her a drama queen, but she likes to tell her story with a lot of dramatic flair. <laughs> I love so, it. So <laughs> our phrase is, okay, dial back the drama. I just need to know what happened. Right. Then you can tell me again why it's so unfair and why you don't like this person. But right now, I need to know, A, is it, are you safe, or do I need to get other adults involved? Because, unfortunately, there are kids out there that are just, my heart prays for them, because I just, I don't understand how someone could be so mean. Sure. So, coming from a DCS background, it makes you go, hey, wait a minute, it's something going on at home. But I can't blame yeah. everybody, right? Now, I yeah. focus on this. And, and I've been very open with my daughter about that. She understands that my line of work, I work with a lot of different families, and so, Unfortunately, I have seen children that need help because their mom and dad can't take the best care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've made that aware. That's why mom said, first question is, are you safe? Is this a safe situation? Because if it's not, let's get you removed. Mm-hmm. And then she says, mom, it's fine. I'm not in any danger. Then I'm like, okay, let's go on to what, what happened here? Well, she said this, and this person said this, and We've always taught our children your pow- your words have power. Mm-hmm. However, you don't have to give someone the power to use their words against you. Mm-hmm. You can choose to turn your ears off and remove yourself or go get help from an adult to remove yourself from that situation if you don't want to listen to them. And we've also taught her that the way to get the attention of an adult is not to be hysterical. I will say we're at that weepy age where every time we turn around, we have tears falling. Sure. And mommy wasn't that way. Mommy wasn't allowed to be that way. Mm -hmm. So I have to remember to validate her feelings and go, okay, I understand your hurts, but we need to turn this off. So A, I can understand you and you can tell me what's happened and B, so we can come up with a solution together. Um, You know, I'm a parent that's not afraid to talk to the principal or the teacher and I definitely approach it, I feel differently. Um, we recently had a situation with another little girl in my daughter's class, and I reached out to the teacher, and I said, hey, can you give me your observation? Because she's sure. there, she's the one who sees it for eight hours a day, not me. Um, and I left what my daughter had said out of it, because I didn't want the teacher to think I was attacking her by going, well, she says this, and you need to fix that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to hear what her observation was. Um, and it was a moment of, oh, okay, the teacher agreed and met almost exactly what my daughter was saying. However, and it's another different situation due to the pandemic, the teacher cannot move her classroom around right now. Right. Because for contact tracing, they have to stay in the same spot. And I said, okay. And she said, the next time we have a big break, I will move the classroom around. And so I said, okay, is there anything else I can do? And she did tell me a couple things like, you know, your daughter likes to do this or she likes to do that. And that seems to not intentionally instigate, but sometimes it does instigate the situation that we're dealing with. And Mm -hmm. I said, okay, we'll discuss that with her. I have learned for having one in school now (laughs) that if you don't come to your teachers with, Almost like that finger wagging, like, well, my son or daughter is telling me that you're not paying attention and you're only taking this child's side. Our teachers take so much stuff. Yeah. Sometimes great, sometimes really bad. 
it is not a job I want to do. I'm very vocal about that. Mm-hmm. My kids' teachers know that. This is not what I was cut out to do. I need you. I need How can I help you to do your job? Because I need you. Um, I tend to, my kids' teachers tend to be a little more receptive um, and just kind of helping us figure it out. Because like I said prior, they are there with them all day long. They see them technically more hours out of the week than we as their parents do just because they're in school sometimes eight nine hours a day depending on if you do before care and after care those teachers are with them you know we're seeing them at the very beginning when they're still barely awake and at the end of the day after we've done all of our activities and it's bedtime um so i've just learned to reach out to them my first step and then i really sit my daughter down and i say okay what what could we have done what could you have done that would have made this situation better? And sometimes it's as simple as just not responding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and she's not perfect at it. She says, Mom, sometimes they just get me so frustrated. And I'm like, I understand that. But remember, we don't react out of emotion. Take a deep breath. Take a drink of water. And if nothing else is said, just let it go. Because yeah. it's not worth you getting in trouble over. Yeah. Um. Another big thing we've really pushed with our kids is to be the friend to everyone, even to the kid that everyone in that class is making fun of, because you never know when your smile is going to make somebody's day. When you're high, it's just going to change their whole day. You just don't know. Um, I have worked with children for, gosh, since I was 15 years old, that's 20 years now. And my, I have a heart for special needs children. And a lot of times those are the kids that take the verbal abuse at school, the bullying. And I've always tried to teach my kids, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to be their friend. Everybody yep. needs a friend. You know, those are just some of the things that we're going over with her as we do prep her for middle school, which scares me half to death. I will be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, um, I had a, a good friend from college on the podcast a couple of months ago because her son dealt with some extreme bullying and I brought them on just to share that story and what they had learned and, you know, how to be an advocate if you're not the person being bullied and you're not the bully, but like how to be an advocate and all those things. And I just think it's important that we continue to have those conversations. Um, but there's a couple things that you said that I just wanted to reiterate. One is that like the teacher's not the enemy here. So what you talked about, just embracing that teacher and understanding that him or her has so much that they are managing with all of these kids. And now with virtual learning, I cannot imagine being a teacher right now and just having to constantly pivot and adapt to whatever new change is being brought down, you know? Um, And so going to them just with that open-ended question, like, hey, can you just kind of tell me what you're observing or Um, I think that that was a really good point. And then the two other things that you said just in regards to your daughter, um, you know, you said validate her feelings. And I think that that's so important. Um, That wasn't something that was done a lot in my home growing up. And so just saying, hey, it's, it's, I understand that you're hurting or I understand why you're mad or it's okay that you feel really frustrated. I'd be frustrated too. Just validating that there's something about someone telling you, It's perfectly okay to feel that way, but let's take a step back, take a deep breath, get a drink of water, right? Remove yourself from that emotional uh, uproar in there, and then 
be able to process it, have a conversation. What could we do differently? Or, um, you know, what can we learn? I think that that's just so good to just teach her how to process through that stuff. And so that's awesome. And then the last thing of just like, don't be afraid to get other people involved or have that conversation with the teacher. I even um, did a podcast recording recently and she said, you know, sometimes I call another mama and I'm like, hey, what's going on with our kids? Let's figure this out. Let's model how to, um, you know, fix this for them and, and really communicate through that. So I don't know if you have any experience in that front of like parents kind of leading by example in that or if that's something that you have done personally. It's something that my mom did. Um, I, like I said, I had a, I thought she was my friend who wasn't really my friend, but it took me a long time to figure that out. I mean, I'm talking yeah. middle school, high school, college. It, it was really in college when we were roommates. <laughs> it was an interesting year that I went, you know, this person's really not my friend yeah. because my friend is going to come to me and say, Hey, I'm having this problem with you. Can we talk about this? Versus, I'm going to go tell everybody I come across, well, don't be friends with her, don't do this, and sure. this is what she does. You know, just that, I call it general cattiness. Yeah. Um, but I can remember uh, we were both in middle school, and my mom and her mom got along, and they tried to have us sit down and talk, but neither one of us, I thought, looking back now, were very receptive to that. Sure. And it was just, one was angry and one was hurt. Yeah. And so it was that anger hurt that kept us back. And I think if somebody had said to us both, hey, look, your feelings are justified. You have every right to be angry. You have every right to be hurt. But let's work past that. That was never said. That was like the mystery puzzle piece that I could never figure out until Mm -hmm. I became an adult. I was like, oh, this is how that works. Yeah. We've got to acknowledge you hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. Well, she hurt my feelings because I did something that made her angry. Mm-hmm. You know, we as humans are reactors and we, we react out of emotion. Um, I don't think there's any a time anywhere I can recall where anybody's been like, well, I reacted rationally. No, right. typically it's a very <laughs> irrational Totally, (laughs) Um, totally. Logic goes completely out the window. Um, And and again, I'm very honest with my almost 11-year-old. I tell her that, you know, you're going to get angry, Mm -hmm. but you've got to remember to keep that in check. Mm -hmm. You can be angry. You can say, I need to walk away. I need to walk for five minutes. Yeah. Nobody's going to blame you for that. Now, you can't just get up and leave your classroom. You've got to ask your teacher, "Can can I go to the restroom? Sure. I need to go to the restroom for a few minutes. And typically the teachers know that situation because they're reading it before it even happens. Um, talking with many teachers, they'll tell you, oh, I can read the, the room when I walk in the room in the morning. Yeah. I can tell you just about who's going to have a day where we're battling something and who's going to have just what we would think is a typical day. Sure. Um, you know, just because that's that's their level of experience, yep. you know. Yeah. Um, they just, they know. And so I've always encouraged her, hey, remember to reach out. Um, You know, I don't know if it's an oldest child thing, but most of the time they don't want to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And the phrase she'll tell us is, well, I don't ask for help because I'm I'm not a baby. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. we are going to retrain this brain. Asking for help does not mean you're a baby. As a matter of fact, it means the opposite. It means you are smart enough to go, I can't fix this on my own. I need somebody who's bigger than me. 
And that is when we saw a switch flip with her. That's great. Because, you know, again, I don't know. I'm the oldest child, and I can remember thinking, I don't need help. I don't need anybody to help mm-hmm. me. I'm the oldest. I can do this. And you just tend to carry that with you. And I'm like, oh, let's rethink that. Yeah. Because you're going to ask for help in the rest of your life. There's always going to be somebody who has more knowledge than you do. Right. Just, you know, going back to that, reaching out to another parent. I've done that. Mm-hmm. I've called women that have teenagers. And I'm like, okay, I need some help with this. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to handle this. Totally. Like, oh, let me tell you. We went through something similar. Let's see. This is what worked for us. This is not what worked for us. Yeah. Um, it's that whole community. I never understood the phrase that really it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. Oh, it really does. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things you said there about like asking for help, I think as a parent, that's something to be aware of and how we coach our kids. I recently have been able to develop just a stronger friendship with a family who moved here from California. And one of the things that she's really good at this mom about telling her kids is, would you like some help? Instead of saying, well, why didn't you ask me for help? Or you need to ask for some help. Um, Or like, I know in our home, we have that tendency to be like, you you can do this on your own, you know, so there's sort of that battle. But she's really good at saying, would you like some help? Or would you like to ask for some help? And just that switch in phrase, right, of, "Well, well, yeah, I would like some help. You know, that question where they're having to then, yes, can I have some help, please, um, is something that I've just picked up from another mama, right? Because I'm observing and and asking, what do you do and how do you do it? And all of that has helped me with my four-year-old because he's at that stage where he gets really frustrated because he can't do something. And so then we go into a, you know, not a full-blown temper tantrum, but just frustration, you know? And so now I say like, would you like some help or would you like to ask for some help? Um, and usually that helps because he can just take a take that step back and take a breath and like, yes, like I need some help. Well, just, you know, ask mommy for some help. Um, so I think that that is an important um, takeaway. I also think it's really important what you said about just going back to validating those feelings in that conversation with you and your friend at the time. If somebody had just said like, you guys both have, we have hurt feelings here. We have anger, being able to identify what those were and, you know, teach, we don't really get taught really how to apologize, you know, like apologizing. A lot of times I feel like it's like, you apologize, you say, I'm sorry. And we, we miss that heart, you know, issue there of, you know, do you understand why that would hurt her feelings and kind of talking through some of that stuff. So I think it's all just really, really great, um, conversation. And and I love what you said about community because like you said, experience is the best teacher. And so if you've not had those experiences, it's just impossible to know, right? So I learned learned so much from other mamas just in conversation. So um, as we start to kind of wrap up, um, I love to always ask, you know, for you as a working mom and you've got three kiddos and obviously busy working husband, dad as well. You guys are involved in a lot of things. Um, how do you take time for Candace? Like, what does that look like for you? How do you make yourself a priority? Um, and you know, what's your encouragement there for other moms? I, for me to step away sometimes can be just, I just need to go to the grocery store all by myself. Sure. With no little hands in my shopping cart. 
or it could be I'm going to get my hair done or, hey, I'm just going to go grab a drink, some coffee, you know, something with a friend of mine. We're just going to go down to our local little coffee shop and they have all kinds of coffees, teas, and fruit drinks. And it's one of our favorite little places that we kind of just hide away to. Or it might be the ice cream shop. I'll be perfectly honest. It might be the ice cream shop some mm-hmm. night. Um, but I have to remember to say, whoa, I need to stop. I need to go do something for me. Um, some nights it might be, hey, Dad, can you handle baths and bedtime? I'd like to go read my book that I've been reading by myself. And just not have any of those interactions. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely don't feel like I have to leave all the time to do that. But for me, this whole year and a half, it has taught me to ask. Mm -hmm. My husband is not a mind reader. um, And I think as moms, we tend to expect them to be just because we're constantly reading our kids Mm -hmm. and going, okay, what do they need? Well, you're extra cranky. You need a nap today. Dad's not going to say that. Dad's Mm going to be like, why are they so cranky? What is wrong? You know, or my two-year-old son who eats 24 hours a day <laughs> might be hungry. And I'm like, my, my husband would go, what's wrong with him? Why is he so torn up? I'm like, baby, he's hungry. Well, it's only 2 o'clock. Yep, he needs his mid-afternoon snack. Right. Like he's getting what right. we call hangry. And so I say all that to say, I have to remember to voice that to my husband and say, mm-hmm. hey, mama needs a TJ Maxx run all by herself today. Mm-hmm. I may not buy a thing. But it's just the art of browsing and being able to look and be away for a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, and I mean truly away. I don't mean away and you're texting me every when are you coming home? Yeah. When are you coming home? But I'm going to be gone. You know, we usually agree upon, hey, I'll be back to cook dinner or, hey, we're going to meet you out. You know, whatever the situation may be. Mm-hmm. But there are no interruptions unless it's an absolute emergency, mm. um, which thankfully there's not been many of those. But, and we have to remind our daughter who has an iPad to text from, she will sometimes say, when are you coming home? And I'm like, Mm-mm, no, ma'am, put the iPad away. Mm-hmm. You're not asking mommy questions right now, mm. you know? And so I think it's just been a communication thing between me and him and scheduling it. I have become such a meticulous scheduler through this whole because days just ran together it would be wednesday and all of a sudden it would be friday and i'm like wait we've slept since then yep because it doesn't sure seem that way yep <laughs> and so it was hey i'm scheduling this date on the calendar and i'm gonna go do whatever i need to fill in the mm-hmm. blank um and so i really encourage moms to do that there should be no guilt and i say this lovingly because i am a mom that carries mom guilt i work full-time and to have a family as well there's no guilt in saying, I need to step away yep. for a little bit. It refreshes us. It makes us not be, or at least for me, a cranky mama. Yep. I can I can feel that inside of me when I'm constantly just getting, why is this not done? And why is, and I'm like, whoa, mommy needs to step back because then they're going to feel that. Yeah. They're going to feel that idea of never measuring up because now I'm frustrated there's just a domino effect. And yeah. I can honestly go, Daddy, I need a night. And he's like, that's fine. Go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, just because as moms, we take on everything on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I encourage you to schedule it. Do do it however works best for your family. You might be a mom that's a morning person. I'm a night owl. I'd rather go out <laughs> in the evening hours. But, mm-hmm. you know, make that time for yourself. That's what I've been doing. 
Yeah. I think, and I, I say this in a lot of episodes because I feel like we just need to keep hearing it, but like we think that giving all that we have is the best way to serve our families, <laughs> and it just isn't. The reality is it just isn't, and, um, you know, when we take that time, I think a couple things you said, being able to identify what that looks like, like being able to self-diagnose, I need some time away. And, you know, for you, it's that when I start to get overly cranky or I'm just short. And then what you said about that transfers to our children that they're never going to measure up because I'm not taking the time away that I necessarily need to rejuvenate to be able to just have that patience that's needed and whatnot. So I think that that's just a really solid reminder. Take time, schedule it, put it on the Google calendar, whatever you got to do, tell your husband, like, yes, do something. <laughs> use, use your partner. Yeah, all of that. So, well, awesome. Well, I think this has been really great, and I loved getting to just hear some good practical tips on the daycare stuff. Um, you know, I think it's important to just kind of have some tools, and then I loved just your transparency and talking about being the mom of young girls and what that looks like. And it's hard. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to reach out to other mamas and talk to them about how they're navigating it and learn from their experiences. So um, thank you so much for sharing some time with me today on the podcast. I know it will definitely be an encouragement to listeners. um, And so I just appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Candace and just hearing all the things about her experience and life and her story. And I hope that you were encouraged that you're just not alone in some of those struggles. And I hope you picked up some tidbits of information. If you are looking for a daycare or childcare center, um, I hope you were able to find some helpful hints there. I appreciate so much the time that you spend each week with me listening to another mama just share her story and celebrate working mom life because we are the experts in this arena and I never want to give this expert advice on how to do all the things better. I simply want to provide a channel where other moms can come and listen and learn from other mamas and be affirmed and encouraged and appreciated. So thanks as always for tuning in on this week's episode of the Memoirs from the Minivan podcast.